Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In chapter 12, why don't you read it with me in verse 24? But the word of God grew and multiplied. You see that? Now, some of y'all wasn't there, so I'm going to read that again, all right? In chapter 12, verse 24, let's read it together. But the word of God grew and multiplied. You see that? God's word, give me your attention. It grew and it multiplied. The word but. You might want to highlight, underline that word, circle it in your Bibles. The word but seems to be the theme of chapter 12. Herod is doing, if you were with us, Herod is doing this, but God is doing that. Herod is killing James and putting Peter in prison, but God has sent an angel to let him out of prison. Herod is sitting on his throne, but God is on his throne. Herod thinks he's in charge but he is eaten by worms. Last week, were you here? I did a whole teaching on being eaten by worms. I don't know why I did that. It was weird, but I did. But Herod was eaten by worms. Herod is gone But the word of God grew and multiplied. Listen, saints, although persecution is rising and the governor was against God's people and the governor was against God's church, God's word continues. People will come to the church and even ask me, hey, Rodney, what's the secret? How did you get the church to grow? How did you get so many people to come to church? What's the secret? I kid you not, guys. I have known that there have been people who have come to the church for like two or three months each service just to find out what it is we're doing. There are spies among us. (laughs) Who are you? Because they, you know, they don't understand. I mean, how is it that, that this many people gather for three services on Sunday or Wednesday night, and these are people from all different backgrounds. I mean, these are people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. There are people who attend this church that are brain surgeons and doctors and, and, and lawyers, and God forgive lawyers, and lawyers, and, 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 and amen. And there's people who work at McDonald's, and we all just gather together, and 
Our hands are joined together and we sing to Jesus and we worship the Lord and people come and I don't know why people come, but they do come and they endure me week after week, but they do come. And people wonder why and they'll even say to me, how is it that you got what's the secret? And I'll tell them the word of God continues. That's a secret, which really isn't a secret. That's no secret. If you are faithful to teach God's word, God will be faithful to honor his word. You don't have to develop programs and, and, and things that you got to get the people into the church and have the cool everything. And the, You know, if you just teach God's word, it's amazing how people will come to hear the word of God. And there's no secret. God's word is alive. There's no secret. God's word is powerful. Amen, saints? And God's word continues. And in the early church, listen, God's word continued to grow and it multiplied the church. Well, in verse 25 in our Bibles of chapter 12, if you were with us, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And when they had fulfilled their ministry, they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. This is where we pick up this morning in Acts chapter 13. Saints, beginning in verse 1, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and here they are, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And in verse 2, as they note this, saints, underline it, highlight it, remember it, as they ministered to the Lord, and they fasted, The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then in verse three, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Stop right there. Give me your attention, saints. Notice the Calvary Chapel at Antioch. That's what I call it. The church. Notice in the church there were certain prophets and teachers. These are the men who were in leadership in the church at Antioch. First of all, we are told in our Bibles, notice in verse 1, that Barnabas, remember we talked about Barney? Been talking about him for weeks now. His name means encourager, if you're taking notes. The encourager, and he was an encourager. He was a Levite. He was from the island of Cyprus. And then we have a guy in our text, notice in verse 1 again, named Simeon, or Simon is the same name. This guy was also known as Niger. He was from the area of Nigeria, or from North Africa. This is the same guy, listen to me, saints, this is fascinating. This is the same guy who helped Jesus carry his cross to Golgotha. Remember in Mark chapter 15, don't look there, just... Make note, Simon, this guy called Niger, he came to Jerusalem. Little did he know that the day that he came to Jerusalem, he was going to be on the crowded streets in the small city of Jerusalem. He didn't come there to help Jesus carry his cross. He didn't come there because he was planning to get his name written in the Bible as helping to Jesus carry his cross. He came to Jerusalem and a soldier saw him and said, you, you, you help him carry his cross. 
and Niger, who was a black man from North Africa, had the privilege of helping Jesus carry his cross to Golgotha. And I got to think that each night as he went to bed, for the rest of his life, he probably thought what an awesome, awesome privilege it was to help the Passover lamb carry his cross to Golgotha. What a privilege it was. I'm sure that he never stopped telling his testimony. I'm sure he never stopped telling the story of the day that he helped Jesus carry his cross. And now we see this guy coming to Jerusalem, not having any idea that God was going to use him in this way or give him the privilege in this way. Now we see this man many, many years later in the church at Antioch. And this man is not only in the church at Antioch, but he's in leadership in the church at Antioch. And doesn't it amaze you that the church in Antioch was so, as a person gave me after first service, because I couldn't find this word, but this is the word I was looking for. The church in Antioch was so diverse. The leadership was so diverse. How is it that we, here we are centuries later now, a couple of thousand years later, that the church has become so non-diverse? And people have the audacity to ask me, how is it that we have so many people and so many different people in the church and black people and white people and all kinds of people in the church? How is it that we do that? Listen, what we see and what you see and what's in this room now has always been the representation of the church. So we look at this and we go, oh, man, this is different. Oh, man, this church is different. Oh, it's so different. It's not any different than what the Bible says. What has happened is the church has become different than what the word of God says. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. <laughs> the church is different. Today, it's, been, it's no different. Here you have this guy, Niger, and you've got Barnabas. And you've got this other guy located in the scriptures in verse 1. His name is Lucius. He's from Cyrene, a city of north, on the north coast of uh, modern Libya in Africa as well. You see all these different people making up the leadership of the church? Menaean. Menaean. Now this guy, Menaean, interesting, look in your Bibles. This guy, Menaean, notice it says in your Bibles, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch. You see that? This guy, Menaean, it is thought that he was, get this, the adopted foster brother of Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas is the Herod that killed John the Baptist. He was probably from the area of Judea. So here we have now a guy who is saved, a Christian, in ministry, being used by the Lord, who was brought up in the home of Herod. Now, we all know how lovely the Herods were. <laughs> not. No, they were not lovely at all. As a matter of fact, if you look up dysfunction in the dictionary, you'll find Herod and his family. <laughs> Man, these guys were a dysfunctional family, and yet God used this guy named Manan saved him right in the midst of his dysfunctional family. Listen, God can do anything, saints. 
God can do anything. You know, we think and people say, well, you know, well, he's just a part of his environment or, you know, he was raised in a dysfunctional family and that's the way he is or, or, or whatever the situation. Listen, God can work through your dysfunction. God can work through your dysfunctional family. And as a matter of fact, I think God really chooses to work through people's dysfunction because when God works through your dysfunctional family, guess what happens? God gets all the glory. You know what? You, you know, you, you, you weren't born and you go, oh, I wasn't born in a nice home and we didn't have all the accoutrements of a beautiful home and, and all of these things. We didn't have opportunity and we didn't go to college and all these guys. God chooses to use a person like you because when he does use you and he uses you mightily, then what you say is, hey, this ain't about me. I didn't do anything because I didn't have all that. Man, I was just a street kid from Philly, brought up in the home of a single parent. My mom worked hard to put us through Catholic school. And one day I gave my life to Jesus, and look, this is what he made. Maybe you don't think as much, but I'm happy with me. <laughs> I like me, doggone it. God can... <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Those are the kind of people... The Menaeans brought up in Herod's home that God chooses to use. Very interesting. And then notice also who's in leadership in verse 1. Saul, and we know what? His name is Paul. His name is Paul. And the interesting thing about this group of men is notice the Bible says that God raised them up. And notice in verse 2, and they were doing what? Ministering to the Lord. Did you see that? God raised them up to minister and to seek the Lord, and they were ministering to the Lord. Now, listen, if you're taking notes, you write this down, because this word minister is where we get the word liturgy, liturgy, L-I-T-U-R-G-Y, liturgy. And it literally means to do a service like the priest and the Levites who serve with the temple and in the tabernacle. And so liturgy, these guys were in Antioch, not in Jerusalem. These guys were Gentiles, not Jews. And they were ministering to the Lord. How did they minister to the Lord? They ministered to the Lord, watch this, in prayer and in praise. In prayer and in praise. How do we minister to the Lord? You guessed it, in prayer and in praise. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 through 16 reads this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Saints, let me share two things with you. Two things. Number one, God speaks when we worship. Number two, God works in amazing ways when we worship. God speaks when we worship, and God works in amazing ways when we are worshiping him. Don't you remember when Solomon finished the t building the temple, and he dedicated it to the Lord? Here's a beautiful verse for you, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, and it reads this. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. 
And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and with the cymbals and with the instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying, What, saints? For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And saints, listen, it was at that time that the house shook, and the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priest could not continue to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord did what? It filled the house of God. God moves in amazing ways when people worship him. Don't you remember when Elisha the prophet needed to hear from the Lord? And it's in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. It says, but now bring me a musician, Elijah said. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And then the psalmist David, he wrote and he said this. In Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Saints, listen. When Christians gather together and praise the Lord and worship the Lord, God draws near to him. And that is our way of ministering to the Lord. That's how you minister to the Lord. When you pray and when you praise the Lord. And that's why we praise and worship the Lord. It's important to praise and worship the Lord. We praise and worship the Lord not because we want to have a good time. We praise and worship the Lord not to bring down the devil's kingdom. Contrary to popular opinion. And we don't praise and worship the Lord to bring the blessings down. Contrary to popular opinion. You know, people say, well, if you praise the Lord, blessings will come down. Listen, blessings will come down when you praise the Lord, but that's not why you praise the Lord. You praise the Lord because of who he is, not for what he gives. Saints, don't you understand? You praise God simply because of who he is, not for what he gives. You see, lots of folks are praising God for what he gives versus who he is. Now, will God give when you praise the Lord? Absolutely, because we're his children, because he loves us, and he wants to give to you like any father wants to give to his kids. But we don't praise him for that reason. We praise him because of who he is. We praise him because he is pleased when we praise him. We praise him because he is blessed when we praise him and praising the Lord and ministering to the Lord is not a time of asking from the Lord. I got to tell you, in all honesty, this is the area of which I am most guilty in my spiritual life. I hate it when I'm being vulnerable and truthful, very truthful, painfully truthful, but the time in which I just sit down and just worship God without asking him for anything. There's so many things going on in ministry and so many things I have to do and so many prayer requests. And I got a stack of prayer requests like this and I take them all and put them on a list and I got a running list this thick of prayer requests from people and I pull them out and I pray and I'm asking the Lord, asking the Lord, asking the Lord, asking the Lord for you and for me and for the church and for the ministry and for the building and for all of these things. But I'm most guilty that I don't just sit down and say, God, you are awesome. God, you are great. 
God, you are mighty. God, you are awesome, God. God, you are a great and awesome and mighty God. And Lord, I'm just worshiping you now for who you are, not for what you can do. Lord, I'm praising you and giving you glory and ministering to you, not for what I need, but for God, for who you are. I don't do that enough. And I think that we would all would say, we don't do that enough. Don't raise your hand and don't say amen. I didn't think you would. But you understand, praising and worshiping God is good. And can I tell you something? People tell me from time to time, they'll say, well, you know, I have my prayer time on the, on the drive to work in the morning. And they'll say, well, you know, I have my devotion time when I'm driving to work in the morning. Listen, that's good. We're, we're to pray without ceasing. Pray and talk to the Lord. But saints, can, can I help you? Can I help you? Is it all right? Let me, let me help you with something. You cannot minister to the Lord on the 440. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you can't minister to the Lord. I ain't buying that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You can't minister to God on the 440. I mean, you out there, minister, oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Idiot. And all that is within me, fool. Bless his holy name. Get out of my way. Come on, man. You can't bless God like that. Come on now. Oh, I just had my prayer time on the way to work. No. No, you understand what I'm saying. You need a quiet time where you just got to get alone with God and you just sit down and you just, you and God, and you just say, Lord, I'm just telling you, God, who you are. And I'm telling you, Lord, how great you are because you're great. Because God is great, saints. Listen, God is great. Great, great. God's great. Yeah, God is great. What does great mean? Great. Great means great. There's the Greek for you. Great means great. God is great. And the Bible says, and greatly to be praised. And we should take the time to minister to him that way. To just tell him. It's nice to just get up in his lap sometime and tell him. Don't you want that from your kids from time to time? Isn't it nice when your kids come, uh, come in the room and they just sit down and they just cozy up to you and you know, in those rare moments where they don't want anything, and they, they just kind of cozy, and they just snuggle up. And, Hi, Dad. Yeah, how you doing? Good. How you doing today, Dad? I'm great. Awesome. And you're thinking in your mind, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> oh, I'm just great. I'm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, well, how was your day, Dad? You know, my day was, day was great. I mean, it was wonderful. And you're still thinking, how much is this going to cost me? The price is going up. But isn't it nice when they just come just to say, Dad, I love you. Dad, I care for you. Dad, you're awesome. Dad, you're great. What? Sweetie, you don't want anything? Nope. Just want to tell you, Dad, I love you. And thank you. I know it's rare. Y'all should do it more. I don't care how old you are, but it's nice. That's ministering to your dad. And that's what the Bible says is ministering to the Lord. You understand? Say amen. Amen. Where you're just simply telling God how much you love him. That's what they did. And notice they not only ministered to the Lord in verse 2, but they also noticed they did what, saints? They fasted. Did you see that? 
they fasted. Now, listen, here at Calvary Chapel, we're not going to take the time this morning, but we've done a lot of teaching on fasting. And I would encourage you, if you're interested, Isaiah 58, and, and you can um, order that, I think, of all my teachings on fasting. That's probably the best one and uh, most succinct about a fasting. But if you're interested, pick that up or order it in the bookstore, Isaiah chapter 58. We've done a lot of teaching, but, but, but the one thing I want to say about fasting is that we should never fast to get from God. Amen, saints? Never fast to get from God. You know, people do fast to get from God. You know, Lord, I'm not eating till you give me what I want. <laughs> Folks do that. Lord, I'm not, you know, it's almost like fasting to hold God hostage. That's not what you do. You know, it reminds me of a story. Perhaps I've read it here at Calvary Chapel. There's a story of this five-year-old boy who's living in the barrio in East L.A. And he really wanted a bike, so, but his mom and dad couldn't afford it. And they live in a small apartment, and in the apartment, they have this small altar set up in their, in their apartment with candles and pictures of re- religious things and a statue of Mary. And so the little boy prayed and he said, oh, God, please, on my birthday, would you bring me a bike? Everyone has one. Could I have one, too? Well, his birthday came and his birthday went and no bike. Well, Christmas comes around and he goes to the family altar and he says, hail Mary. And and he says, God, I really want a bike. He says, could I have one for Christmas, please? He says, everybody has one. And Christmas came and Christmas went and no bike. Once again, he went before the family altar, he lit the candles, and he suddenly reached up and he grabbed the statue of Mary, and he ran out of sight. And he took it and he hid it in the drawer in his bedroom under his shirt, and he comes back to the altar, and he says, now God, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.